Hi friend, this is Alex McRobbs, founder of The Mindful Life Practice, and you're listening to the Sober Yoga Girl podcast. I'm a Canadian who moved across the world to the Middle East at age 23, and I never went back. I got sober in 2019, and I now live full-time in Bali, Indonesia. I've made it my mission to help other women around the world stop drinking, start yoga, and change their lives through my online Sober Girls Yoga community. You're not alone, and a sober life can be fun and fulfilling. Let me show you how. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sober Yoga Girl podcast. I am really excited about this interview. I have Barbara Williams with me here today, and we have there are these people that you've just been connected with on Instagram throughout your sober journey. And Barbara is one of them. She's a Be Sober ambassador, and I've had a lot of Be Sober connections with my community. And she's also involved in the Dry app. She's a live member in the Dry, the Dry app, which I just learned about what that means. And I'm just so excited to hear a little bit more about her sober journey. She's 800 days sober as of this week, which is an amazing accomplishment. So welcome, Barbara. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Alex. Thank you. Good to be here. Really good to be here. here. And congratulations on 800 days. 800 days is a huge number. Isn't it? I haven't got an app or anything. So I often do Mm -hmm. a how how long ago was the 7th Uh, of February 1921 on Google. And it was 700 and a few days ago. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's going to be 800 days on Saturday. Saturday just gone. It was 800 days. And so, yeah, that is a big number. And I'm yeah, very pleased with myself. You know what? You're the first other person I've met who I'm the same way. I don't have an app. I will just type into Google how many days since April 13th. <laughs> and whenever people hear that, they always say, you know, there's like counter apps that you can have. And I'm like, I know. But I actually, I think I deleted my counter app because it was like taking up too much space on my phone. And then I just like never got it back again, you know? And so I'm always Googling my uh I my never sober have days. had one. And, and your sober day is the day after my daughter's birthday. So I will always remember that. That's amazing. What's your sober date? February 1921. No, 1921. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I thought I was going to say my birthday then, but my birthday isn't 1921 either. Um, it's 2021. February <laughs> <laughs> 2021. Oh, my gosh, that killed me. That's so funny. <laughs> so 2021. Okay. 7th of February. I don't have any connection to that. Well, it's two months before my birthday. So there, I'll always remember that. <laughs> yeah. There's always a date connection. You know, the 7th of seven, uh, my birthday is the 7th of July. So seven uh, is, has always been a lucky number for me. Um, and the day, it was just a coincidence that it is the 7th of February, but I'm happy that it is. You know, my birthday is the 7th of April and my psychic's birthday is the 7th of July, actually, Dan. And we were just talking about like the spirituality of the number seven. You know, there's seven days in a week. There's seven chakras. Seven is like a pretty special number. And so, um, and that's kind of cool. Oh, that's giving me goosebumps again. You've That's twice this morning. You've got to stop this. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about your life before sobriety. Yeah, it seems such a long time ago, but obviously I did have a life before sobriety. <laughs> Do you want me to start like my drinking, how I, my drinking evolved? Yeah, sure. Um, the first time I was drunk, I was 14. I The first time I was drunk, I blacked out. My dad had to come and get me from a pub or, or the street. <laughs> I was on the side of the street and I was throwing up and everything. 
Um, that was the first time I was drunk. And then all through my teens, we did go to pubs, but I don't really recall being drunk. When I was 14, we could go into pubs. There was no ID. Um, I didn't do any of the going to the park. A lot of people say that they were on parks drinking cider or whatever they were drinking. I, d- I didn't do any of that. We were, in, we were in pubs, but not always drinking alcohol. It was just really to be together. There's like 10 of us, around 10 of us would go to the pub just to be together. And then through my 20s, oh, so through my teens and 20s, I really wasn't a drinker. I was a raver. So alcohol wasn't particularly the um, drug of choice, shall we say. Um, so through my 20s, I was raving. And then towards the end of my 20s and into my 30s was more of the Ladette culture, Sex in the City. I used to have Sex in the City parties at my house where we'd drink wine and and cosmopolitans were fashionable at the time. So I'd drink quite a few of those. And then it was a a gradual progression, really, into binge drinking. Weekend binge, binge, blackout drinking, drunk, not remembering going to bed, just at the weekends. And then I would say most of my 40s, it was gradually creeping into the week. Not every every week, not every night, but yeah, I was drinking a lot. Yeah, the gradual gradual progression, and then I did do when thinking about. I was speaking to somebody, Christine, actually, the other other week about when did we? When did you? I, I asked her when did you actually feel like you wanted to stop drinking? Because I, I I honestly can't really remember thinking. Oh, I want to stop drinking. But I know that I, I I was thinking that I did want to stop drinking. Does that make you do, you know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't. It's really d- difficult to. So I did did do a um, sober October, but I did that for charity, <laughs> almost as though um, if you're not going to do this for charity, I probably wouldn't have done it. You know. Yeah. So I did do that, and then I that was obviously for four weeks, for a month. But I carried it on to seven weeks, and I remember the seven. At the end of the seven weeks, my husband and I, we went to Manchester and we were out for a nice meal. And I was really hesitant, but I did. I ordered a glass of wine and the glass of wine sat there for quite some time. And I was thinking, I don't think I'm going to drink that. Next thing, I woke up in the morning with my shoes on. So I did drink it. I didn't. (laughs) Um, I did drink it. And then you know, I'm not going to drink this week. There's always that, you know, trying to moderate. I'm not going to drink this week. And then Monday comes, Tuesday comes, and I end up drinking. Or I would, um, so white wine was my poison of choice. I'd drink Prosecco or Carver, thinking that this glass is smaller. I'm drinking less. It's not as alcohol, you know, the volume of alcohol is not as high. But then I just drink more and then if I didn't feel that drunk feeling, I would end up drinking wine um, again. And then I did do a dry, no, I tried to do a dry January. So dry, January is a funny month to be sober, isn't it? It's that, well, for me to start to be sober, it's it was, there was booze in the house still from Christmas and New Year. And I started on the 4th of January so we didn't even start on the first and it was someone's birthday I think and went out on the 13th or 14th so I did 10 days being sober and just carried on drinking again 
Okay, a pivotal moment for me was I said to my daughter, so I've got a daughter, Candice, and she's um, got two children, but at the time she had one and it was Zachary, so my grandson. And I was, um, I'd pick it, we'd meet halfway because she lives in Cambridge, I live in Sheffield, so we're two hours away from each other. So we meet halfway. I have Zachary, I have my time with my grandson, Candice has some time to herself. And I said to Candice, on a Sunday, I almost rush to get him back to you so I can go home and have a drink and so that was kind of a you know not wanting to spend time with my grandson to want to go home to start drinking yeah and I I, when I say that out loud that makes me feel awful honestly makes me feel awful um so that that was a moment when I thought no I really need to think about my drinking um and then lockdown I came and then that really does magnify, shine a light on what I, what to me, how much I was actually drinking. Um, when Boris Johnson announced that um, you can only go to the shops for essential drinking, I've still got the photographs. Me and my husband, we went to the shop and literally bought the whole shop, <laughs> as much alcohol as possible. As I, it's so, um, when I think back, it's so ridiculous, but um, we did do that. And going to the shop for essential items, after that had all gone, a loaf of bread, yes, and a bottle of wine or two. Um, but in lockdown, it was, so the day before I became sober, it was a Sunday um, morning. Um, it was raining. And what else is there to do? Everything's shut, nothing, no, nothing to do. I'm going to start drinking. And I did not stop. Um, and then Alan was hide. Alan, my husband, he was, which I now know afterwards, was hiding alcohol from me. He was hide, hiding the drink, so I didn't have any more. And I just thought, no, yeah. I mean, I've had don't I've had many. Um, I call them pebble bottoms. No rock bottoms, just lots of pebble bottoms. Um, but this one, I just thought. And I've had other incidences, actually, when a friend of mine was hiding alcohol from me, but just thought that was funny. You know, it was fun, funny. Why why are you hiding it from me? And then me searching for it. Um, So, yeah, that was on the the 6th of February, not 1921, 2000. And I and actually before that, I had listened. uh, So I must have been thinking about it. I was listening to um, a podcast. Well, I used to listen, I listened to podcasts anyway, but I listened to um, quite a lot of true crime podcasts. That's my genre of um, podcast, true crime. Um, and I thought, there must be a podcast about giving up drinking. And I found one, um, a lady called Angela Mazenik, Amer- American lady. Um, and I was listening to her and it's just, yeah, just starting to make a bit of sense that, you know, you can live. I think it was um, Stop Drinking and Start Living, I think her, her podcast was called. And I thought, now, it's quite American-centric what she was saying. Or, her, I don't know, some of the things were quite American-centric. So I thought there must be a podcast that's um, produced by someone in the UK. And I found Be Sober, Alex and Lisa. That's how I found them. It's just like, let's be sober, you know, <laughs> typing in my Spotify and I listened to them and I thought, right, they're fun. 
when you've got this persona as a party animal and you're you're fun you think that it's the alcohol that's ma making you be fun right. but obviously I don't drink all well not obviously but I wasn't drinking all day or night but when it was maybe I, I thought that people thought I was fun because I was drinking yeah so the fun element of being sober was important to me I wanted to still keep my fun side um, and I think Alice, I think, well, I know Alex and Lisa are, are fun. I love their podcast and I binged, listened, I think it was three seasons at the time, um, a daily. And then this is before I became sober. This this is this is before. And then on, in, on Instagram, I started to, so I found them on Instagram, saw who was following them, started to follow um, Matt Pink, Andy Ramage, people like this. Um, you, no, I found you um, through their podcast and then started so wherever, wherever you are in season one two or three that's mm -hmm. when I start, started to follow you as well and yeah I followed quite a few people their guests William Porter I found him sober day yeah well anyway, you know the community I don't need to go through yeah. <laughs> everybody um yeah 7th of February 21 was my sober date and I was listening constantly to Angela Mazenic and um, be sober going on my morning walks um, going to bed early, getting away from the space where I used to drink. And I'm, uh, by the way, I'm not a reader. And I bought, what was my first book? Sober Diaries was my first book that I read. Then Annie Grace, This Naked Mind. Yeah. Right one, yeah, yeah. William Porter's. And then William Porter, number two, Alex, uh, Alcohol Explained. Yeah, so I, I'm not a reader. No, so I was reading, I was listening to podcasts. I was going to bed early. I was feeling, yeah, I was feeling great yeah and I joined Be Sober um I spoke with Alex and I joined Be Sober straight in as an ambassador I didn't go in as a member I thought I'm in Sheffield I don't I've been here for 10 years and in the last two years of being sober I've met more people and have more friends in this time the last two years than what I did the eight years before I did I just didn't have a even you know going out socializing having a you know drunk community I didn't didn't find those connections but I've got connections and good friends um through be sober so I did join straight away as an ambassador um to selfishly have friends for myself <laughs> or you know find a community here but also to be accountable as well. I think I, I thought that being part of a group would help me to stay accountable and obviously it's worked, it has. So yeah, join Be Sober as an ambassador and that was in, I think I did my, I think it was in July 21. So just after my 50th birthday, April, May, June, July, so three months into sobriety, I joined Be Sober. And then I did my first meetup in October of that year and my first brunch was in 2022 yeah we're in 23 now so I've been doing brunches for a year now so that the last month of every Saturday I put on a be sober brunch um most Saturdays yeah so that's um and uh, yeah that's how I'm been staying sober and the dry app um I'm a life member there I was really privileged for um Matt Pink to reach out to me and ask me to be a life member there. And that has, um, that was last December, that was, la was launched last December 22. 
And being a life member, I've kind of come out of my comfort zone. Well, not kind of, I did. I came out of my comfort zone with the app um, in doing lives. I don't know if you've looked at my Instagram. I don't speak on my Instagram. I just, you know, I don't, I don't speak. I don't find it that comfortable. So I did push myself out of my comfort zone and felt it was a better space for me to start speaking. So I have um, done a few lives there, um, told my story, gave, given, you know, advice and a few tips of what, how I stay or became and stay sober. So that was last last year in December that was launched and I'm a life member there and yeah going to um I went to my first sober rave with um oh what's she I'm gonna forget her name so I went to my first sober rave with um my friends in from Sheffield went over to Manchester that was amazing yeah I've done lots of first sobers I've done a first sober wedding which was I danced all night, didn't, and the same as the sober race, did not did not stop dancing all night. My first sober wedding. Well, I was um, the wedding, so we stayed overnight. So we had a hotel. It was in Cambridge, and there's that lull in between a wedding, or well, not so much a lull. It's the drinking session. You know, you've you've had um, your meal, and then you're waiting for the evening guests to arrive. So in between that section, where people are generally around the bar. I I said I'm going to my room for a nap <laughs> and my friend said not the one who was getting married my friend said I'll come with you <laughs> so we both <laughs> so we both went to my room and had a nap came down at about I don't know five uh, no probably six half six and um I think the evening guests were coming at seven half seven and yeah there's just that little you have to plan these things don't you just um I don't know. Yeah, you've got to make do what's comfortable for you in your sobriety. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for for sharing your your journey and your story. And there were a few things that kind of stood out to me or resonated with me. And one that I wanted to say this stuck with me is that when you mentioned like you know being with your grandson and then wanting to go home to drink and but what i thought of was like wow that's amazing how self aware you were to notice that speak it because i think i only noticed and realized stuff like that like in my sobriety you know and so you were like noticing it while you were drinking and that shows like i don't know like this awareness and and this reflection and like this intention towards your sobriety which i just think is like amazing and something oh. that you you were reminding me of as well you're talking about like the moments when you wanted to get sober and like taking a little break and and it was making me think of i just had someone on my podcast daniel patterson do you know who daniel patterson is oh no oh he's really cool he's he has a great TikTok, the patterson perspective and one of the things he talks about is in sobriety. He one of his sayings is land that plane. And it's like when you're trying to get sober, it's like landing a plane, right? And it's like could be like spinning around or like going down or whatever. And we all kind of have that like plane landing journey. And and for everyone, it looks different. And as you were sharing yours, I was just thinking, you know, there's probably so many people listening that can relate to that kind of landing of like, you know, you take your month off and then you're thinking about it and you're reflecting on it. And then like you finally sort of you know have that point when you're ready to to land 
Yeah, well, I don't want to be on Daniel's plane. <laughs> I, go in, I want to land smoothly, but um, <laughs> I do know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know anybody who has, I'm going to give up drinking and it stops straight away. I Absolutely. think um, most who have challenges and obstacles before they actually make that choice and stick to it. And yeah. everyone's journey is so yeah, it's like totally not linear. And and it depends on like the culture we come from. And I know like in the UK, like when you're speaking of all the, you know, all the sober influencers in the UK, like I always say, you know, the UK feels like the sober capital of the world. Like there's just so many sober influencers. And I think that's a reflection of how it's also like the drinking capital of the world. Like there's just such yeah. a heavy drinking culture that there's a need for that like counterculture to rise up. And so you know, it's hard if if that's what you're surrounded by and that's kind of like the norm in your in your society. Yeah, it is hard. And I'd be sober motto, they be brave, be kind, be sober. It's so brave mm-hmm. to go against society, which most most people are drinkers. I don't I forget the percentage that but there's quite a lot of people now becoming sober as well. And I think the young younger people are more mindful now than what they were when I was younger. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that then you're sharing remind me of was then you were talking about the role be sober has played in your life and and you know the role that the dry app has played in your life. And it also just made me think of like the importance of community and how hard it is to do the sobriety journey alone. And you know, you said being part of a community would help you stay accountable. And I think that's totally true. Yeah, especially for me, I think you have, you bounce off each other and you know, yeah. um, when when we go for our brunches or even out for dinner in the evening, we're, we're like, you know, chatting away and it's like, be quiet, we're just so loud, you know, and we haven't had a drink. <laughs> we're just talking constantly and then you don't, we don't feel though I'm going to say something that's, you know, if I said, tell one of my sober stories that I well not my sober stories but when I was drunk I fell over and I I mean I've kept this to myself pretty much or to as fewer people as you know possible because it's embarrassing um I was 30 something I fell over and smashed my teeth and drunk I fell over drunk and smashed my teeth obviously I didn't um break my fall woke up in the morning not realized I, it didn't hurt I was drunk woke up there I was out with work friends after that I didn't go out with work friends anymore not that it was their fault it was my fault um I didn't go to work dues for the embarrassment I didn't want to embarrass myself for years I'd gone to the dentist and had um I forget what they call them the composite composites on my teeth yeah and it was only last year after being a year, sober a year, I thought, no, I can invest in myself now, trust myself that I'm not going to break them again. And I got veneers. So I've got, when we're together, for me to tell somebody that I fell over drunk and smashed my teeth, I wouldn't tell anybody. I would tell, I, I, I've shared this with the group that have similar stories, you know, mm-hmm. of embarrassment and shame. And I think, you know, a lot of people who can listen, who are listening probably have stories like that too, you know, and I know I do as well. And mm. in hearing these stories, it helps you realize that you're not alone in them, yeah. you know? Exactly. Yeah. 
Why? <laughs> I'm not going to cry. Sure. <laughs> uh, sorry, Alex. <laughs> no, you don't need to apologize. Thank you for sharing that. It's so it's so vulnerable to share those those moments. Mm. I think what I'm about with the embarrassment, but I'm more upset that I, I didn't feel like I was worthy enough to have them fixed until last year, 15, 20 years when it happened. I was sober a year. I felt worthy enough that it wasn't going to happen again. I'm not going to fall over drunk and smash them, you know. I'm happy about that. I'm happy I've got um, better teeth now, though. Yeah, and that's amazing, (laughs) and it shows, like, it shows to me how, you know, I know when I put my sober, my photos side by side of me in drinking days and me in sober days, I've had people sometimes give me the feedback of like, you know, you're just as beautiful in both photos or whatever. And I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> but it's not really like the beauty that I'm trying to show. It's like the change in who you are. And maybe it's only sober people that can see it, or maybe we can see it in ourselves, but it's like a total confidence transition. And you loved yourself so much that you're like, okay, I'm ready to do this, to give myself this gift and and fix this. And that is something that can't be like, it's, it's not a surface level transformation. And I think for people that haven't been through the sober thing, they don't get that. Like, it's not about the surface. It's about like loving yourself so much that you aren't going to harm yourself anymore. Yeah. I've done, I've done the same. I've shown people my pictures and they say, well, you look great. You look beautiful. But I, I think it's in the eyes. Yes. Whenever I see a transformation, even, you know, some of my drunk photos, I've got my tongue out, my hair's everywhere. You know, it's just a a hot mess. Not even hot mess. It's just a mess. I can see the difference in my eyes. It's like, Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Or in other people's eyes when they show their before and after photos. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Absolutely. And so tell me about, okay, so you were part of Be Sober and that being part of that community helped you. What else did you, like, what were some of the strategies or tools that you, you used in your early days to, to get through like cravings and triggers? Well, I mentioned podcasts, walking. I yeah. used to walk before when I was um, drinking, always exercise. But I think um, exercising now is more a bit of a meditation. I was thinking yeah. this when I was um, on the treadmill the other day. I just, I find it, I, don't, I just switch off rather than thinking about, I used to drink, I used to exercise to <laughs> to sweat out the alcohol now that's not funny <laughs> but that's what I used to I used to think I'm exercising yeah. to sweat out the alcohol um yeah. so yeah I, I I exercise regularly I go for um, I went for a walk this morning I like walking with um friends you know the um, sober group what did I do so podcast I took myself away from where I used to drink that is um yeah so rather than sitting in front of the tv watching uh, drinking I would sit somewhere else and read I would go to bed early if anyone asked me um my top tip I would say is go to bed early get catch up on all that missed sleep that you've had which I, I thought I was sleeping but obviously I was just passing out passing out not sleeping yeah. properly properly community whether it's online or in person is important even if you're just a voyeur on instagram or on a facebook group just what reading other people's um comments yeah i think uh, the podcast 
almost like hypnotism for me the yeah. podcast I would binge 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 even sitting here working I would have a podcast on in the background yeah alcohol-free drinks mm. AF drinks I know that can be triggering for some people but I, I like I mentioned I was a wine drinker I've, I've never really drank lager um so I did have zero percent alcohol lagers quite frequently in the beginning um I, I don't have them so much now um or any of af drinks it's just a tonic water cup of tea love a cup of tea now <laughs> <laughs> yeah af drinks are amazing i you know we actually didn't have them in the uae when i first got sober and then i remember going back to canada and having them for the first time like i was three months over and i just thought they were amazing and then of course they made it to Abu Dhabi and then I just got like addicted to those <laughs> so it's been a blessing now Bali doesn't have any and I'm just back to like um the normal which is really good <laughs> yeah that's good well so it's Bali of um drinky culture I'm not a, really that's a good question I was just speaking about it with um I have a sober retreat group that's here right now and I was telling them you know there is drinking that happens in Bali but it's mostly people on vacation like so you'll see I'll see drinking when I'm uh, like around the town but I can tell that they're vacationers and mm. in terms of like the actual community that lives especially where I live I live in Ubud like it depends on where you live on the island but Ubud is like a highly spiritual highly you know conscious community and everyone in my network is like a yoga teacher or like someone who really cares about their well-being so I actually don't think I've ever been invited to a party in Ubud where there's been alcohol like it's not even a a thing for you know local people it's not even a thought of like I don't even have to say that I'm not going to drink if I go out to dinner with someone because it's not I never am around it like I see people drinking at the other tables but you can tell that they're on vacation especially if they're having a beer at like noon you can just tell like okay you're on vacation <laughs> you know and so that's really cool to feel like I'm part of this sober conscious community it does make it hard like before the pandemic ended and I was here, I was trying to run local sober girls yoga events for local people. And I've like kind of <laughs> given up a little bit on that concept. And I really just do it internationally. And then in my studio, I, I teach classes open to everyone. And the reason why is because sobriety is the norm. We don't need, people don't really mm -hmm. seem to need a support group. <laughs> Yeah. Whereas like, you know, you need it in other places, like in the UK, in the Middle East, in Canada like in every other society that I've lived in it's so out of the norm to be sober that you need a little network of people to kind of rally around you yeah oh that's good that's good yeah maybe it'll be like that here one day I absolutely think it's coming like you know as you were saying the millennials like the younger generation is drinking way less and I I'm finding this awareness around alcohol that I've never seen before like it's hitting you know the news there's articles there's mm -hmm. conversations so many people are sober curious and I think by the time I have children like within the next five ten you know 15 years maybe when my kids are like teenagers I don't think they're gonna have the same drinking culture that that we did yeah, yeah it's gonna be a bit like um smoking was in I don't know 50s and 60s which is not yeah I can remember smoking on a plane oh my goodness wow <laughs> I've heard this yeah. story of so my granddad and my nana were both smokers and mm. I never saw my nana smoke but my granddad smoked when I was young and I only know this because my sister when she was apparently when she was like two years old 
she came outside and looked around the corner and turned to my granddad and he was like hiding his smoking. And um, apparently my sister was like, granddad, are you smoking? Like she just was like shocked because she was raised with this culture of like, never smoke. It's so bad for you. You know, that's what everyone said. And she was like, just stunned to see him mm. smoking. And I think it will be the same thing. Like when we are um, like when my kids, well, hopefully they won't be around that drinking. Like, I mean, maybe my parents might still drink. <laughs> maybe that will be that way. Like, be able to really, like, are you, are you drinking? <laughs> yeah. I was gonna ask you, what have been some of the biggest, like positive things that have come from your sobriety? I think it's finding me. Mm. I think that's one of the biggest ones. I think it was around about six months. I did put a post on Instagram and said something about finding, you know, my authentic self and knowing what that meant to actually put that. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like, be, yeah, being myself. And now that I'm my, more myself, I feel like I've got a better, much better relationship with my daughter. It's, um, yeah, we speak more um, honestly to each other yeah so it's just more I don't know we just yeah we just have a so much better relationship all my relationships are better my husband with my husband my husband still drinks but I think because I'm not drinking it's um he's drinking less um a little less and yeah I think it's just it's just better it's, it's just really hard to say what um every, everything just seems to be and feel better being sober. Love that. Love that answer. Everything's better. Yeah, <laughs> and it it's, so it, it's so true. It's so true. I'm sat here at my work desk. Um, I would, um, my, uh, my boss is, um, he knew, he knows I've, I've, I've gone sober. He went up when I, I told him quite early on. Um, and he's, we were out, we were at, um, I can go to work do's now, you see. Um, I was at a work do and um, we were sat having dinner and the ladies, they were ordering drinks and I ordered, I can't remember what I ordered, but, and she said, you don't drink? And I said, no. And she said, why? And he said, my line manager said, she's much better not drinking. He, he answered for me. And my work, I've had in the last two years, I've had two promotions and that wouldn't have happened if I was still drinking. I would finish work at five o'clock and be wanting to be drinking. Simple as that. And now I was, I was in a meeting last night, a work meeting at nine, nine o'clock that I put in the diary. I wouldn't normally have put that in the diary, you know. So, yeah, every, everything is better. Everything. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And it's amazing how, you know, you don't think it's going to have that trickle effect on like your accomplishments and just your, you know, your ability to like even get promotions. Like, you know, I think someone who hasn't been through the sobriety journey might not understand how that's correlated, but it's just like your energy, your confidence, your, um, your everything. So I, it, yeah. I can totally relate to that. I don't think I've ever been promoted before I was um, wow. so not sober. Um, yeah, I um, I no, I, no, that I think I had once, but I mean, some people might. For me, I would, I, yeah, like you say, it's about the confidence, and I've gained so much confidence um, in the last two years. And most people who know me would think that I am confident, 
Mm. Um, but most people who see me, who think they know me, I'm normally drunk. You know, you, you know your friends that you go out with and you don't see them in everyday life, but you see them in um, at a party or, you know. I've got to mention my little book of confidence. Oh, love that. And I um, often post this in the Be Sober Facebook group or on the Dry app, just li- little. Um, I've had this on my desk for about 12 years. So b- before I came to Sheffield and I love and it's the, there are only tiny little quotes in there, you know, three or four lines. I don't think you can see three or four lines, but it's just so yeah. lovely. And it just gives me a boost um, when I pick it up and have a little read of that. And I don't, I don't do it every day, but I just love my little book of confidence. <laughs> Love that. Wow. This has been such an inspiring conversation. And I feel like there's so many people that can listen to, you know, every time we hear someone else's sober story, there's always so much that you can relate to so much you can connect to and your story of, you know, getting to that point of quitting drinking and, and changing your life and then giving back to the sober community. It's just so inspiring. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'm enjoying my adventure so far. I really am. I really am. And it's so lovely to meet you. If I wasn't sober, I wouldn't be here with you today. So it's so really, really lovely to meet you. So thank you for having me. So I have one last question for you that I like to ask everyone is that if you had any advice that you would give to someone who is thinking about quitting drinking, what advice would you give them? They're thinking about quitting. So they haven't even met. I think just have a leap of faith make the decision and stop drinking. Do a little bit of investigate, not an investigation, maybe um, listen to some podcasts, go on Instagram, just go through some reels, look at sober accounts. For me, it was about still having fun. So for somebody else, it might be that they still want to, I don't know, um, I was going to say, well, you know, go hiking, trekking. I mean, there's loads of sober hiking, trekking, um, groups but there might be somebody who wants um a, a certain they, they don't want to give up something but the only thing they're giving up is alcohol they're, they're gaining so much more there's nothing to lose that's so true oh it has been so awesome to meet you and thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing so much of your story with us I really appreciate it oh you're welcome thank you for having me it's been wonderful Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sober Yoga Girl Podcast. This community wouldn't exist without you here, so thank you. It would be massively helpful if you could subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast so it can reach more people. If we haven't met yet in real life, please come get your one-week free trial of the Sober Girls Yoga membership and see what we're all about. Sending you love and light wherever you are in the world.